Good morning, all, and welcome to worship this Sunday, February 26, 2023. This is the day that the Lord has made. Even on cold days, let us rejoice and be glad, right? I kept thinking about, um, I kept thinking about how I was raised in New York, Chicago, and Boston, and big snow all the time, and how much I'm freezing now when it gets to be 50. Um, I don't know what the story is with that, but boy, it's been cold, hasn't it? Good, sturdy souls here this morning. Glad that you are in worship. Today we have our, uh, another opportunity to sign up for the crop walk. It will be outside uh, on the patio. Uh, sign up to be a walker or sign up to be a donor for those who are walking. Um, after worship, uh, do that. The walk is uh, next week, so we look forward to more people participating. Today at 4 p.m. is the, uh, a webinar on homelessness making affordable housing happen in our community. It's a, a marvelous speaker with uh, real-life experience in Pasadena, uh, being in the faith community and working for, uh, on this issue. So if you can tune into that, you would be uh, behoove you. Um, uh, Chris and Kitty are here uh, this Sunday. Uh, Chris is a way you can uh, get that Zoom link if you don't... Well, I don't see it up there right now, but I did see it on the Friday notice. Um, so if you, can't, if you can't capture it from things that have already been sent out in the last couple of days from church, uh, contact Chris and you can get it from him. Uh, today's the first Sunday of Lent. Blessings on all of you who came Wednesday night. You know you're this, that much holier than the rest of us. Um, well done. Well done. We look for great things from you all that showed up Wednesday night. Um, those of you who didn't, you still have time to catch up. Um, there's five weeks of Lent. Work hard. Maybe you too can be just as holy and righteous as, as the rest of us. I say that all in kidding, right? But you know, I'm serious about the importance of focusing our spirituality and trying to be intentional about it. And that's what the season of Lent offers us. We're, we're to be this way every week, of course, right? But in the season of Lent, as we get ready to move towards Easter, we, we want to be a little bit more intentional, a little bit more thoughtful about our faith and our spirituality and use the season as a means by which uh, to challenge and to grow ourselves into the better selves that we think God would have us be. So all kidding aside, I encourage you to be uh, intentional and serious about using this season uh, to your betterment. Uh, Wednesday nights, uh, Pastor Jim will be leading our collective Lenten study up at the St. Matthew's Church. Uh, you get a free meal at 5.30. It's going to be, uh, I think, a, a Lenten soup and, and salad or soup and bread or something like that, a little bit on the sparse side for the, for the season, and, and then a study. So if you can uh, be a part of that, I encourage you to, to do so. And one last reminder, we are um, trying to pay attention to the, uh, the challenges that happen globally and as a denomination respond to those and what is on our hearts uh, presently, gosh, there could be so many things, um, 
but it's the earthquakes in uh, Turkey and, and Syria. So if, if that is moving you and you feel you have some uh, disposable resources that you can uh, put towards this assistance, um, not just our, our missions committee, but the, the church is encouraging you to do that. So uh, if you can share to help make that uh, uh, better, uh, I want to encourage you to do that. I didn't notice who, who's given uh, the flower today, but this is gorgeous. Do, do we know? Is it just a special thing from uh, Candy Wilcox? Wait, is this a fake flower? Oh. <laughs> Candy Wilcox is our coordinator of, of the flower ministries. And, um, uh, you know, we like real Christmas trees and real flowers around here, don't we? Um, so please, um, it's, is it $45 a Sunday if you can do it? Okay, so uh, the board is up there in the uh, sanctuary. Now, I was fooled, and I think this is gorgeous. But now that I know it's fake, I'm not happy at all <laughs> about this. And I encourage you to uh, see if you want to share uh, that way and have the sanctuary be beautiful. You can, if you do choose to have that be part of a ministry to the church, um, you can take the flower arrangement home with you after worship, or you can which is kind of a neat idea. If you have a, a, a dear friend who's a shut-in, uh, someone you know who's kind of uh, not as mobile and doesn't get out and about, um, you can take the flowers to them on your behalf or on behalf of the church. So, uh, well, Candy has more to say. Or you can ask Candy to do that for you. Is that what you're saying? All right. Okay? All right. Let us center ourselves and uh, begin worship. to worship and remain standing for the hymn and the invocation. Brothers and sisters, let us gather and worship the Lord our God. Seek the touch of the divine to settle our spirits and empower our souls.
hearts. Let us pray. As we journey into this season of Lent, we pray your spirit abide with us, helping us to face ourselves honestly, repent where necessary, grow where needed. Open our minds to your wisdom, our hearts to your love, and our spirits to your grace, so that this journey will lead us toward becoming better selves. Amen. You may be seated. you guys are going to be learning about the wedding in Cana, where Jesus performed his first miracle. Do you guys know what his first miracle was? May have involved some of this. Water. Water? It does involve water. So his first miracle was turning water to wine. So, at this wedding they were at, they ran out of wine. And back then, this was like their drink. So as they were there, it was Jesus' mother, Mary. And he went to the stewards and took them to Jesus and was like, do whatever he tells you to do. So Jesus told them to fill up seven jars of water. And these weren't just tiny mason jars. These were humongous jars. So they bigger than this one. It was probably, if not bigger than you, as tall as you look. Like they, they were big. And so, he filled up the jars and then had the servants take it to their boss. And it is water. You just saw me pour it in. And so, they're taking it to their boss. And I'm sure they were probably a little nervous because they were just said to take this bottle of water to their boss when it's supposed to be wine. And as they're sitting there, come on. Like honey? A little bit. Huh? Ty, Ty is not here today. <laughs> so, Jesus' first miracle is turning water to wine. And that was only one of his first miracles out of so many more. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, let's pray and then you guys can go to Sunday school. Dear Jesus, maker of miracles, please make a miracle in us today. Amen. Okay, go on off to Sunday school. I think I'd want to hang around her. Was that really wine?
Holy God, we pray that you would hear the stirrings of our spirits, the yearnings of our minds, and the hopes of our hearts as we join with one another in prayer this morning. We pray that the miracle of transforming our lives would happen within us through the power of your Spirit. Let your touch be real to us, strengthening and encouraging us, healing and renewing us. We pray for that miracle that would put us at peace with you and at peace with one another, that miracle that would help us to live as family to each other. O Lord, hear our prayer. We think again of Kathy Drake and Mike and Sarah and Sally, all who are dealing with cancer and their treatments, and we think of their loved ones who are supporting them in this effort. Uh, Be with them, Lord God. O Lord, hear our prayers. We think of the Saltov's friend, Roger, who is having surgery on Wednesday. Dina, Barmacy, Gray, who readies herself for surgery this week. O Lord, hear our prayers. For Debbie Arter and Carol Blake, who deal with their cancers. O Lord, hear our prayers. Bonnie Lewis, as she continues to recover, and her husband Don, who is doing well recovering from his surgery. For Sevi's father, as he continues his recovery. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think of President Jimmy Carter and we think of Darrell Baven as he nears life's end and their wives, their loved ones that support them through this transition. Uh, be with their souls. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. For all those who continue to suffer from COVID or from its after effects, we pray for the caregivers, the medical personnel who continue to be on the front line as we move forward with this pandemic into its endemic times. We, we pray, Lord God, that we would uh, continue our caring for one another, helping each other to stay healthy and to thrive. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. For those situations around the globe that tug at our hearts, that disturb our minds, we, we think of the earthquakes and we think of the flooding, we think of the random gun violence that just seemed to plague us around the globe and particularly here in our country. We pray, Lord God, that we would surface people as leaders and we would find others as brothers and sisters who could help us move beyond this to a new way of life with one another. Raise up your saints, Lord God. O Lord, hear our prayers. We give you thanks for those moments of joy that we have had uh, this week collectively or, or individually. We thank you for those moments. We think of how the Ukraine concert here last Sunday was just packed. 
and the joy that it brought to so many hearts. And we think of the, the good work and good spirit that was a part of the quarterly update of our strategic plan. We, we thank you, Lord God, for these moments and for others. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. And we spend a moment now to think of individuals and situations in our private thoughts. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. Help our church to continue in its ministries through these times and the challenges that face us. Help us to maintain and increase our effectiveness and our vitality for your purposes, for your glory. We pray this all in your Son's name who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> We trust in God.
Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. One of the, the great joys of grandparenthood is to be able to relive the joys of parenthood of having those little kids snuggle into your lap when you get to, to read a book. I don't know if it's, it's more precious as a grandparent or as a parent, I'm not sure, but I am sure enjoying it. And, and one of the first books that uh, we got off the, the shelf Spooky Old Tree. It's by the, or it's about the Berenstain Bears. Spooky Old Tree. It's a lot of fun to read it when it's dark and it's late for them and it's quiet and you can talk in a voice like this. And dare they, dare they, the three little bears, one's got a stick and one's got a rope and one's got a flashlight and they're walking around this spooky old tree. Dare they go down the dark hallway? Dare they open the door? Yes, they dare. Dare they go in the dark room? Yes, they dare. And you can do that through the whole book, and it's just a lot of fun. And they get spooked, and they find their way, and it all ends very happily. And I think it's kind of a rehearsal in, in, their, in their little spirits, a, a rehearsal for being brave and being courageous in life, uh, facing things that appear fearful or, or that create doubt and uncertainty for you and having the courage to, to go forward and, and face them. Yes, they do. And then they go. Courage, courage is essential for a fulfilled life. People exhibit all sorts of courage in their life. I'm, I'm thinking about the, the first child that gets to go to college, who is able to go to college, that finds the way to go to college 
in a family that has never had the resources or perhaps the aspirations to get there, that's, that's a very scary kind of thing. And it takes a lot of courage for that young adult to do that, or perhaps even an older adult in, in their circumstance. Starting a new business as, as a young person, or maybe even as an older person starting a new business, that can take some courage. It can be uh, a fearful time uh, branching out, uh, uncertain as to what will come of it. Lord knows that fleeing an abusive relationship and getting beyond that and, and finding a way to uh, begin a new life, the incredible amount of courage that that takes. And staying behind with a loved one at their sickbed through the process of hospice and just opening your heart and being uh, with your loved one through that part of the journey. Um, great courage is called upon out of your love. I can remember when I was in the Holy Land, we got an opportunity, or I saw this opportunity to go to Hebron, and that wasn't a, a good place to go because there was a lot of tension in Hebron. Well, there is right now, too. Um, but there was a, a small group uh, of, of ex-army officers that had the ability to get into that area, and so I was able to go with that, and we toured around uh, the occupied area, um, where the uh, settlers were uh, taking over part of Hebron, having part of Hebron, and how the Palestinians who were objecting to that were in another part of Hebron. And, and it was uh, very difficult going for them both to get along. And all of a sudden, as we were walking around over this little hillside out of this kind of, you know, it's, it's a hill right in the, in the village, comes a couple of these Irish-looking ladies, you know, red hair, blonde hair, um, not dancing, but walking nicely down this little hillside path. And, and they had these big kind of things that construction workers have on and said, UN peacekeeping. Uh, I don't know what it had on the back. Ladies? I don't know. But there they were, these, these two gals in the middle of this, well, I want to say war zone, but that's too strong of a statement. But very tense area. Um, what, were you, what were you doing? What are you doing? Well, they would walk to the school and walk with the children back home into the neighborhood. And that's what their, that's what their witness of faith was. That's what their job was, to be adults um, supervising and, uh, I think, getting in the way of other adults who wanted to be um, crummy or nasty or make a point at the, uh, at the extent of the children. I thought, geez, what courage that must take to actually put yourself uh, in between a fight. I know that being a minority in a majority culture, different than yourself, uh, 
take some courage. I, I know that personally. I lived up in Altadena for a while in that ministry, and, and our church was uh, 75%, 80% African-American and uh, a minority white, and the neighborhood in which we lived was reflective of that. And uh, for the first time, I myself felt myself as, uh, as a kind of minority in that area. Um, and it was very fascinating to, uh, having not been that in other places in my life, to see uh, the impact of that just on the very simple things of going to store, uh, gas station, conversation on the street. It's different. It's different when you're not the majority. I've read some books recently. I, I would recommend them to you. One is called Mecca by Susan Strait. It's about uh, life in Southern California for um, uh, people who got here before we Anglos got here or for African Americans, Native Americans. They're, the culture that is a part of, of living in this area, you get a glimpse into um, into how life is for other people that are not you. And you can see the kind of courage that's called upon uh, in daily life, daily circumstances. There's a marvelous book by Adolf Reed Jr. called The South, Jim Crow and Its Afterlives, um, that gives you a really good feeling for the challenges that people of color have faced in different parts of, of our country and how, um, how you get along, how you uh, make do and, and live. Um, the kind of common day uh, circumstances and the courage that it calls upon in those quotidian times. Well, courage, courage is just fundamental. Courage is just fundamental to living well, for loving, for family, for caring, for community. It's a, it's a basic and it is a crucial requirement, I think, if one is to follow Jesus in, in any meaningful sort of way. Courage is necessary, but especially in times of great challenge. Now, wouldn't you agree with me that the people you admire and appreciate the most are, are those who exhibited courage in critical moments of life, people who have found their voice or who have rose to the occasion, who, who took a stand for what's right. They, they didn't give up the good fight. Their love did not fail in the crucible. We, we aspire to have this level of, of character through our faith, I think. And how, and how is it possible? Well, from, from our religious point of view, Jesus is remembered as saying, I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. Take courage, Jesus says. Have courage. I have conquered the world. I have gone before you. Just follow 
along after me. Our, our courage, brothers and sisters, is to be rooted in what God has, has already done, if we can get our minds around that, has already done. So, so be courageous and do not fear. You walk with God. Christ Jesus has gone before you, making a way even where there seemed to be no way. Now, that seems to be hard to really get a hold of in our thoughts. I, I, I know that. I understand that. And, and regrettably, many of us do fear, and we are hesitant in expressing our faith, especially, especially in dicey situations or in, in challenging moments. Let's be honest. We, we chuckle. We chuckle, maybe under our breath or maybe audibly at prejudicial jokes that we hear at the water cooler or we hear at the checkout line. Somebody says it. We tolerate ethnic slurs. We go, we go along with blaming the victim, demonizing the opposition of our point of view or of rationalizing our wrongdoing. We find, we find a reason why that is fine. It's fine. Being parsimonious averting our eyes from, from other people's pain. We discover that there are occasions, and perhaps more often than we want to admit, that we lack courageous faith. What can we do? What should we do. Well, apparently, quite a bit. If, if we would read Scripture and listen to Jesus, and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, get it done. In this Lenten sermon series, we're going to look at what I'm calling pillars of courageous faith and encourage one another to be brave followers of Christ Jesus, to be people of courageous faith. Each of the pillars that we're going to look at will aid us in being the kind of disciple we aspire to be, a disciple that makes a positive difference and brings joy into family, into community, into the heart of God. People who are genuine and authentic in their faith and simply live it. So today we're looking at one of those pillars and I'm calling it clarity. Clarity. Uh, there'll be five or six of these pillars we're going to come up with and the first is going to be clarity. Now, our scripture gives us a glimpse of clarity, of this understanding of clarity as it undergirds Jesus' faith. Now, the passage that Jeannie read has, has two parts, the first being the reading of Isaiah's prophecy, right? Jesus repeats that prophecy. And then the second part, 
just a quick little sentence at the end, is Jesus saying, well, that has been fulfilled in me. He has clarity of purpose for his ministry and for his life. Think back about that reading. Look at that reading later if you want to. Look at it again and, and see how the different things that Jesus says, quoting Isaiah, are descriptive of what Jesus is about in his life and ministry. He's to usher into a new age, and he's going to change how the world works. These are big things, but he's clear about it. Now, some in the crowd rejoice over this, and some get kind of pissed off at him, thinking he's, he's lost his mind, and, and those people kind of carry it a day, and they drag him out to the hillside right outside of Nazareth, and they're going to throw him over the cliff, but somehow he slips away. Somehow he slips away and heads to Capernaum to live into this calling. So now, the backstory to this big, exciting moment, if you can get into what must have been the tremendous drama of going on there at that synagogue with Jesus doing that, and people thinking, whoa, where does this guy get off? And other people thinking, holy smokes, this is it. All of that, if you can imagine all of that drama, that's all predicated by what happened just a little bit before. Interestingly, I was saying Wednesday night at the service, it only takes 17 verses in Mark to get us from way before to, to this moment. The backstory is Jesus' wilderness experience. It follows his baptism. Jesus heads out to the wilderness alone for prayer. Why do you think he's doing this? Consider him. Consider the moment he's gone through with his baptism and consider that the next thing he does is go on a retreat. Goes away to be by himself in the wilderness. And he under goes temptations, self-sufficiency, self-promotion, self-aggrandizement, and he rejects these temptations and he finds a resolution about who he is and that he's not about those things. He's about something else, the opposite of those things. He gains a clarity in, in our modern language or in my language, a clarity of his calling, of his purpose. He gains that clarity through this wilderness experience that follows his baptism. And he leaves the wilderness assured of what he is to be about. And he heads right from there to, I don't know, 30, 50 miles back up to Nazareth makes the journey not being half dead from 40 days in the wilderness, not being you know, beat up and destroyed, but rather enlivened and empowered. He moves forward with clarity, fired up, ready to go. And he launches his ministry with the scene that we heard of Scripture today. 
And we see that troubles abound for him there in Nazareth and, and elsewhere as he goes into his ministry, yet he maintains his focus thanks to his clarity of purpose, his clarity about what he is to be about. His clarity of purpose strengthens his faith and it bolsters his courage to go through those times of challenge. Clarity of what we're to be about is a pillar. It's a pillar of a courageous faith. It involves knowing what we are to be about in our lives, how we are to live out our gifts and our graces and our passions that are are, are part of ourselves as gifts from God or have bubbled up in us as, as who we are uniquely, combined with how God sees us living into that purpose, being effective. We might think our gifts and graces are to have us do this, but the more we're in prayer, the more we meditate about how God might be best using us, or the more we experiment, like I talked about earlier, we might get greater clarity that we are to be like this. I went from being a a lawyer, psychiatrist, clergy in my development, So I want to invite you this, this first Sunday of Lent as we begin our, our Lenten journey to, to think about, it, it, it doesn't need to be a question for a young person. It can be a question for an older person. To think about your life, to think about what's in front of you. Think about your life and your faith. And if you spend a little time in the wilderness, in, in, that unperiod, in, that, in that space of contemplation and uncertainty where you, where you let down some of the assumptions about yourself and open your, your spirit to God's leading. Spend some time in the wilderness of prayer. Let your Lent kind of be a, a time like that of asking God to bring greater clarity if you need it, if you need it to figure out what the next three months, just the next three months will be like, or maybe the next three years. For me, clarity on how to get to retirement. Clarity on what's going to happen after that, right? And in that what's going to happen, is that going to be two years and a heart attack, or is that going to be 20 years? What will that be? And what might be God's intention? Can I gain some clarity on how I might be in partnership with God better so that I am courageous in my faith doing what God is asking me to do during this time rather than wimpy and equivocating and not really standing up for Jesus? standing up for God.
So let's consider some people, famous people that we might be able to grab onto just really quickly. Um, my mind came to, because of all this reading I've been doing recently, my mind came to John Lewis and the Civil Rights Movement. And, and are you aware that he was the son of a sharecropper? Uh, in Alabama, that all those Jim Crow restrictions were just a, a standard part of his life that he grew up in. Uh, learning how to be deferential and recessive was, was part of what uh, you needed to know to how to uh, live, to survive, and how yet he got a vision of human life and a vision of community that uh, is popularized in the speeches of Martin Luther King. It got into his heart, into his mind. And he, and he determined that um, that was going to be how he wanted human life to be as a, as a blessed community of where we all got along with one another. And he was going to work for that. He gained a clarity of purpose that almost killed him on uh, Edmund Edis Bridge. Before he had courage, he had clarity about how the world should be and what he would have to do to gain such a world for himself and bring it to others. This clarity came not from a mental illness, not from an hallucination. It came from a deep and abiding faith in Christ. And the knowledge that God's love for all people was the truth of how the world should be. And he read it in the Bible, and he believed it. Keep your eye on the prize, as the song of the era says. I, I think of the kids that have gone through... Uh, what would you say, the gun violence in schools. Um, my heart mourns for them to have having had that experience, their growing up experience. We had the duck under tables because we were going to be nuked, right? Do you remember that? Uh, duck for cover, duck for cover, blah, blah, blah. And um, I guess at a moment in our younger lives, my generation's younger lives, there was a sense of uh, present anxiety. Um, I don't know that it's the same that the youngsters nowadays are experiencing with all the gun violence in schools. And, and for to, to live through that and find a way to have clarity of purpose of wanting to change that, that others don't have to live through that, other children, I think is remarkable courage. Um, remarkable courage that comes from a clarity, um, a mother of a... Of a, of a murdered child deciding instead of um, coming totally apart or maybe as a response of coming totally apart is able to come back together and now be a person working for uh, safety of children. If I understand the stories right of our church here, there was a, a difficulty, a, a a brouhaha over whether we were going to be able to support refugees or not. And, and some of you decided that that was the thing to do. We should be able to do that. Uh, 
out of human kindness and out of faith. And, and if I understand correctly, you, you, helped, you helped our congregation to be responsive, compassionately responsive to refugees who, who found their way to our part of the country here. Um, and it took some courage. It took some clarity of purpose that turned into courage. I received a big dose of redemptive grace in my life, and I knew that spreading that around, spreading that around would be my life focus. That, that got clear to me after those things that I told you about. And, and later moments of clarity kept coming, and, and I ended up, I guess, being what I am now, for better or worse, but th that's what happened. And I have tried to be helpful to all of us as, as we have tried to, to seek clarity by saying, you know, a, a, a good help in that, if you're confused about what Jesus is saying, if you're confused about two centuries of witness in Scripture, if it's, if it's uncertain so that you don't have, a, don't have clarity, start with just saying to yourself, I want to let love lead in my life. And just work from that point out. Letting love lead. And if you let love lead, can you get some clarity about what the next step is, what the next action is, what the next beckoning from God might be for you with your gifts and your graces? Think about it. Think if that helps. Think if that helps to put you on a path of, of gaining that clarity so you can have that courage. What's the main thing your life is to be about? Personal life, our collective life. Seek clarity. It's one of the pillars of a courageous faith. Let's pray. Loving Savior, your life and your actions were constantly marked with clarity. We thank you for showing us how to follow the will of God through the inspiration of the Spirit. And this morning, we humbly ask that you give us uh, a dosage of that same kind of clarity that you had. Give us the Spirit's power to complete our mission of faith. And when, and when our path seems confusing or unclear, give us greater and greater and greater clarity and the reassurance, the reassurance of your love in our lives that we might have the courage that is called upon to be your disciple. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen.
you are invited to share of your financial resources via the instruction that will appear momentarily on the screen to help support the ministries of Christ that keep us doing the good we do. So give generously and be a part of what happens in people's lives through the congregation of the UMCWV. Deshers will come forward. pray. Holy God, we ask that you bless these gifts and those who give them, 
that our ministries in your son's spirit might thrive, helping your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. this service has been a blessing to you. Uh, take advantage of the opportunities to live out your faith through crop walk or any of the other uh, things that are offered through your uh, congregations and in our extended family. Let's work with the Spirit and one another, making this a blessed day and week. Stay safe. Be healthy. Know that you are loved. We go with God's Be blessed by that spirit and be a blessing to others.